Hello, everybody. Okay, here we go. The Adventures of an Everyday Goddess Just Trying to Create an Extraordinary Life. Well, I like to make it more like living an extraordinary life, truthfully. I'm pretty much in love with my life, even with its ups and downs. Well, when I first created this alter ego, as I like to refer to this goddess, it was back in the early 2000s, and life was a lot different back then. I was young, I was in my 40s, and uh, we were rocking and rolling as an extended family. I was engaged to a really amazing man who I think is still amazing today. I think all my ex-fiancés are amazing, to tell you the truth. The ones that are alive and those that have transitioned to the other side. But that's a different podcast for a different day. Anyway, when this first came up, the idea of doing a blog, I was teaching on an online spiritual community. Two of them, actually. And I had listeners or students, clients from all around the world. And it was really quite amazing because truthfully, we, we didn't see each other. We would go into these virtual chat rooms and we would study and work together on different things. And it was a beautiful scenario until video came in and then we could see each other and it kind of screwed everything up. But up until that point, we all had different aliases. No one used their real name. It was like a new frontier. It was things like a hot conference and tiki room chat. And Pal Talk eventually took over all that. And it did start with the Yahoo chat rooms in the very beginning. My particular uh, alias, I guess you'd call it, was uh, Wind Whisperer or Whispering to the Wind. And it was actually a name that had been given to me several times by several different teachers throughout uh, time from when I started studying when I was 13 all the way up until then and it just seemed like a natural name because it just kept coming up Bianca whispers to the wind and we realized that as I spoke my vibrations of my voice would change and I could then help whatever was going on it was to open up a portal for healing it was there if it was a matter of bringing in energy to work with someone specifically on something i my voice would change we also at that time i had a teacher and we realized that one of the frequencies of energy i was bringing in often was the goddess venus so the original blog back in 2000 was the uh whispering venus the adventures of an everyday goddess creating an extraordinary life. And it was all of our escapades, whether it was me in the city waiting for Hudson in various restaurants by myself. We used to call it holding real estate at a bar because he was in auditions or rehearsals. He was young, so I was driving him back and forth. Or the fun I was having with my fiance at the time and our blended family of four boys, ranging from Hudson's age of two all the way up to 22 at the time. And just traveling, Italy, the Dominican Republic. We became investors in a, the Soho house in the city. But life was a little bit different. It was a bit more jet setting. And the adventures of 
the everyday goddess had to deal with a little bit more of my own trials and tribulations of being in the city by myself with Huston most of the time. And all the fabulous friends I got to meet. Truthfully, being by yourself, ladies, gentlemen, is amazing. I would hold up at the cutest little restaurant or bar I could find, usually thinking it was a hole in the wall. And I would park myself at the bar and I would order dinner and I'd become friends with the bartender. One, because I was a bartender at one point. And then from being there either nightly sometimes or weekly, I would develop a relationship. A lot of times what I didn't realize was that the restaurants I was choosing usually turned out to be like five-star restaurants. And I'd become friends with the owners from being there all the time and the patrons. And it was really kind of neat how the universe always kind of landed me in these amazing situations. One of the situations was a restaurant that I still love today in the city. And Hudson had the best time because he was across the street in rehearsals for the um, School of Rock at the time in the city. And I would run across the street to go get him and he would come over and have a soda with the Black Crows. Or I fought over a bar stool with Kathleen Turner. I got to meet some amazing people there. Mainly the owner, David, was probably one of my favorites and the whole staff. I still remember fondly even though that is over 10 years ago. Still, Whispering Venus got to express everything that was happening via Venus and not Bianca, which was kind of neat. And we would say things like holding real estate at a bar because that's what it felt like. I bought myself a lot of land and took up residency. And we would talk about the adventures that my single girlfriends were having at the time. Because eventually friends would come in and meet me. Um, and we would, what was me sitting by myself at a restaurant or a bar would turn out to be 15 people on any given night because everyone would start to migrate to where I was and we would just turn it into one big party. But that's how this particular idea came about. And for me, it was creating an extraordinary life, given the situations I was in. I could have easily been really upset about being by myself. My fiance was home um, with the boys, two of them, one was in college, one was out of college, and one was still going through you know, middle school and high school at the time. So he couldn't come in with me, and he got up four o'clock in the morning to start trading bonds and stocks overseas so he was exhausted by six and always asking friends to come with me wasn't fair especially since Hudson was really in the city literally every day and if I have any friends that are listening to this podcast you can attest to that we were there often so I would do it by myself and it was what I wanted to create I didn't want to sit at a bar or in the car hours on end, find myself miserable. I took the opportunity and I seized it. There were times where I would just walk. If it was nice out, I wouldn't go into a restaurant. I would go sit in a bar in Noble and buy a magazine. And inevitably I would meet and talk to somebody because 
as my mother would like to say, I would most likely talk to the wall, even though the wall doesn't talk back. It's okay. Sometimes I think I'm the only one who understands me anyway, so I might as well listen to me. The idea of being a goddess is the word God is in there, G-O-D. I often feel sorry a little bit for the guys because it's really hard for you all to walk around and say, I'm a God. But you are, you're a God. And God is inside of us, that's the truth. We are not instead of God, we are made in the image of this amazing energy, this supernatural being, creator, that is surrounding us, flows through us, and is in us. That is why I always knew when I spoke, I was always going to be careful of my words, what I was saying, not only because I was channeling energies to facilitate different things, but what I exhaled out was equally as important as uh, what I brought in. And in that, I became very conscious. Early on, it wasn't in my 40s when I started to have a better confidence or a deeper confidence and awareness of my heightened abilities. It was from the very beginning when I was 13 and I embarked on the life of a yogi, an aspirant to a guru and to understand what it meant, the breath, this moving meditation we called life. It wasn't until later on, uh, just before my 40s, that I actually went to the mat and actually did a full practice because at that point, the way I was taught, the movement created even a greater power of energy I was facilitating. So I had to have a better understanding, a better uh, confidence and truthfully uh, respect and dedication and diligence to the energy that I was calling in and making sure that this vessel that I was facilitating energy through was pure. Now, you already know, I like to drink. That's the truth. And when I had to give up things to go on this journey, alcohol was one of the first things and I chose to give up meat, which was one of the last. Something I'll deal with later on when I meet my creator and have to come back and work that out. It's really drinking girls. Can't help it. Kind of like it. Anyway, the purity wasn't necessarily all about the food and the what I was putting in to fuel the body. It was the purity of my thoughts, the mindfulness, the accountability, and the awareness of my actions, and that I had to be in a certain integrity. That integrity is an integration of my soul identity which is that energy that travels with me from lifetime to lifetime. As this physical body passes away, aspects of that soul have experienced this life and have created or corrected karma. My higher self is an energy that sits outside of that, and that is 
what is closest to God self. That higher self facilitates through the soul. So the soul has an identity and it comes through the physical vessel to meet the ego. And the ego you might often hear called the editor. I didn't make that term up myself. It's something that's used often when we speak about um, spirituality and recognizing that spirituality is the higher self through the expression of the soul, facilitating energy through this physical vessel known as spirit, because you can't see or touch it. It's an essence, and it merges with the ego to experience humanity. And the ego is great. We need the ego. Ego is the protector. It's the editor. It says, danger, Will Robinson, or let's go for it. The ego, through lifetimes of experiences, not from itself in the physical vessel, but from what the soul has transmitted as information into DNA and genetics, Sometimes that ego says, yo, you've done this once before. I don't know why I'm afraid of it today, but I am. I need you to stop. That can be a block. When you allow the higher self to flow through the soul, the identity and merge with the lower self, the ego, then it has an observation. It uses the 10 senses, the physical five senses of the soul, of the ego, sorry, sight, sound, taste, smell, touch. It uses the five senses, the spirit, the essence of the soul, intuition, empathy, compassion, awareness, enlightenment. To observe what's happening here on this physical planet and then accordingly decide, I like that word decide, that's something I'm going to talk about in a second. Choose beneficial strategies on how to navigate this world. I wish I could say we're all going to be born awake and aware. We're not. That's not what this contract we chose to come here is about. What I can share is that our children, as we evolve and we continuously evolve as human beings, we went from beings to human beings. There are other creatures and beings on this planet that are evolving in their own kingdom, their own uh, genetic makeup. Our children are coming in with the frequency that we're at now. So they're born more sensitive or more awake in their physical vessel, in physical vessels, their ego, to the soul senses, empathy, intuition and compassion so they experience things differently than we do they also have the same challenge we have the emotional intellect is something that happens throughout experience our emotional maturity our emotional vocabulary is something we develop and create through experience so you gotta be a little bit patient with our kids guys everyone they're experiencing at a faster rate at a higher level vibrating at the same vibration we are vibrating at right now that took us life this lifetime to get to 
to raise our vibration if you're awake. If you're sleepwalking, you might not have the same experiences. I had a teacher who used to call us sleepwalkers when you weren't awake to that you're a spirit in the material world. Thank you, Sting. Anyway, it is vibration. It is understanding that if the spirit is invisible and it's an essence and you don't see it but you can feel it, is the same way that we understand we are an energetic being. We know it from the very beginning. Static electricity taught us that. Those shocks you got when you came in from the cold and shuffled across the rug. It's the same that we know we could start our hearts with a defibrillator or a pacemaker. You can see brain waves. So all these things kind of lend to the fact that we are electricity, we are energy, we are energetic beings. We run on frequencies. When I raise my frequency up higher through, I don't have to meditate to get there. I have a, what they call a natural ability, a natural channel. My crown chakra is open, third eye is open, is open from birth through the uh, my throat center, which is not only speech, but it's also body language. As I use different abilities, which we all have, mine are just are heightened, and I've worked on them, my frequency of voice changes. And what needs to happen will happen. We, I don't heal people. God heals. And truthfully, God heals through you. If you have something that's happening in your life, it's up to you to be open to what anyone brings to you to help you feel and restore that. Also understanding that we have what we call karmic contracts that are in something called an Ashik record. So our soul might have experienced something lifetimes ago, and we are back here to correct it the same way a teacher would correct a test and give you back that test to ask you to answer the questions correctly that you made a mistake on. Like math, not so subjective when it comes to literary. Not so much when we're writing as much as it is when we are like a math solution or a problem. Why I'm talking and starting this specific podcast with that understanding is because I'm hoping that you'll remember this portion of the podcast as the podcast grows and um, I do more as a little bit of history to build upon. Today, I really want to talk about the Mercury-Jupiter retrograde that we are in. Today is March 10th, 2018. And if you're into numerology, you know this is a five month and this is an 11 year and it's confusing. Otherwise, if you're not, it's only another time. But Mercury retrograde, at this point, everybody knows about. It is something that has been around since we could follow the stars. And astronomy merged into astrology. And now astrology has theological astrology. So there is an awareness that things happen to this planet Earth and all the living creatures on it 
when certain planets that revolve around us and we revolve around them happen. Mercury affects communication. They did a study on it. You can look it up. There is a definite fog that goes in between the brain. And if you're younger and your front lobe of your brain and the back lobe of your brain hasn't really quite fused together, which takes usually until we're about 24 to 26 years old. Some people earlier, 21, I promise you it hasn't happened before then. The brain starts to grow. It starts to merge together, not necessarily grow, but the, the skull starts to close together. That gap starts to fuse together and the front lobe of the brain and the back lobe of the brain actually make what they call a connection. There's still space, which is kind of cool. But that's how you could see that the energy fires from nerves and activates different parts of the brain. Cause and effect and reasoning have not fully been established yet. Right and left side thinking has, but the back and the front haven't. This is why I love yoga from a very early age because it helps really uh, take that challenge, that physical, biological challenge away by working the whole brain, by making every single muscle in the body be active and engaged and moving when you're in a yoga practice. Why I love meditation, why I love breath work, because it really is that connection of firing all the neurons up at once. I'm also big into uh, brain wave therapy. Please check to make sure you don't have seizures first. That's very important. But this wonderful new neuroscience that's out is something that metaphysical science knew a long time ago. That's why we have singing bowls and ding bells and in church they ring bells and synagogues and chapels and mosques. We chant. We know that that vibration changes. And now we're beginning to realize that it's the alpha, theta, beta, gamma, and on its different frequencies. Go back in time, go back in history. You could see it. Anyway, this is why I like the, the, this particular practice because it really helps the challenge that we're faced with young and then old because now our brain is just overloaded with so much information that it just starts to move memory to different parts of the body via its latent DNA and uses latent DNA to store it as well as space uh, spots on the body, acupressure, acupuncture, talk about shape. Mercury retrograde really does affect communication and it can be challenging because you know you have so much you want to say. For me, as we get closer to the actual directness of it, right now we're in what we call shadow phase, but uh, somewhere in the next few weeks we'll be in it and we don't come really out of it until April 22nd or so and then there's another two weeks of what they call shadow phase again. I really have a hard time formulating words and sentences and um, for me I also have a traumatic brain injury. Pregnant moms feel it too. Women um, during our menstrual cycles will experience it. It's chemical, it affects us. It's the same way the full moon affects the water tides and the water in our body. 
kind of the same thing. So what I love about retrograde, though, is it really asks us just to slow down, to use your breath, to take a second, get your emotions out of it, and formulate with intention what you want to say or what you want to do. That goes back to why these things, certain practices really are beneficial. Mercury retrograde, for me, is this wonderful opportunity to look at dialogue and communication. I am fascinated by it, probably because I use it so much, whether it was owning the hair salon or owning the restaurant or here now doing what I do as a life strategist, intuitive and spiritual soul connector and guide it's not psychic it's not about being able to see the future envisioning or channeling the energies of those that have passed or a goddess or saint or angel that up and how amazing it is to see as we evolve how the energy starts to change the way we so I say we don't use old English anymore. We can't even understand it if we tried. Things or sayings or hip sayings and slang that were used in the 20s, no one would use in the 40s and then the 50s and 60s. And yes, I know I still say, are you groovy? That's always going to be with me, channeling that early flower child but how it means such different things now. I know when my son Hudson, who's 19, uh, he would say, oh, mom, that grown guy hooked up. And I'd be like, for me, hooked up meant he went home and had sex. And he was like, no, hooked up doesn't mean that. And I was like, oh, okay. So you could see words change. Talk about just a couple of words for you to kind of ponder upon and just think and feel when you say them yourself how it changes your own vibration. This particular retrograde is in Aries and it is with Jupiter and Jupiter will not come out of retrograde until July, but Jupiter is just really hanging out to ask us to be powerful and to really choose to detox, to really look at areas of our life, not just physically, but mentally and emotionally, that are no longer serving a highest purpose in the form they are in now. Just like your inhale, if you hold it too long, will become toxic, and you will let it go. You have choice on how you're going to let that go. Even the energy of anger, upset, confusion, if you don't fully integrate your soul identity to take a minute and observe everything you're experiencing, you might exhale out a chance, but there still could be a vibration that's lower and more dense than the vibration of your chance. Your thoughts might be sad or angry, upset. And yet you are going to chant out, oh, or anything else, and it's not going to come out right. 
because the integrity isn't matching the intention. And then the integrity intention need to match the action. So you can't say <laughs> I am intending to turn right at the stoplight and turn left and think what happened. It's very obvious what happened. You can see it. In that energy, in those thoughts right now, what I'm going to ask you to do is just take a moment and listen to these words I'm going to say and feel the vibration they have as you hear them first. The first word is sorry. And the second word is apology. The reason I chose those two words is because during Mercury Retrograde, everyone walks around saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Because the filter is already challenged, that's in the brain. And as Red All Rosemary will say, my mom, your brain's on vacation and your mouth's working overtime. Perfect analogy for Mercury Retrograde. Your brain's on vacation and your mouth's working overtime. Mouth's just doing involuntary speaking because that's what it's so used to doing. It doesn't even connect anymore. It's almost like blinking. It just moves. And the brain is fishing somewhere, catching and releasing off of the Florida Keys. The word sorry. You can just say it. You can almost feel like there's a heaviness. And there's a couple of variations of definitions from different dictionaries. I love different dictionaries to give you different definitions of the same word. Just like there's different versions of religious texts. There's different versions of the Bible. Oh my God, and they all change. So just remember, it, even when we're reading certain things and there's so many versions, so many variations, it's about connecting to what you're experiencing as you are listening. Not your truth, that's something different, but what you're experiencing. What is it resonating in you? Is it resonating in a good vibration or is it resonating in a deeper, lower vibration that's making you uncomfortable and asking you to look at it a little bit deeper? Sorry. Feeling distressed especially through sympathy with someone else's misfortune. We do that. Someone talks about someone transitioning, having a car accident, hearing a negative doctor's report, and we immediately take that on in empathy and say, I'm sorry. And a lot of times the people look at us and go, why well, are you sorry? You didn't do it. You didn't give it to me. Crazy, right? How that word right there moved in vibration you meant it in empathy i'm sorry for that feeling i'm sorry you're experiencing that i'm empathizing with it yet the word sorry carries a vibration of you hit me and hurt me and now you feel bad about it hmm. another definition to sorry and this is from um the oxford dictionary is 
sorry, not sorry, not sorry, to keep harping on it. Right? You're wrestling with something. It means to go back and forth. The old English for it means pained and distressed. I'm pained by what you're experiencing because I'm empathetic to it. Apology. Apology means in Webster's regretful acknowledgement of an offense or failure. In the English dictionary, the Oxford dictionary, the definition of apology, a regretful acknowledgement of an offense or failure, poor or inadequate. We sometimes use the word apology when we want to say something is subpar to what we expected. That's an apology for a cake. It's already reason for a cake. We'll say that too, right? That's an apology for a chair. It's already reason for a chair. It doesn't look like a chair. How confusing that can be. I've been really mindful since the start of the retrograde on the 8th to not say I'm sorry for everything. If I've done something unintentionally, and I'm using the word unintentionally, if I had a miscommunication which is going to happen, even if you text things, which I say text is, I know everyone's like, don't text it, you can't see the emotions. I'm like, get it down on text and then have the call. Because I'd like to see the words written and then hear the words spoken. So texting isn't so bad, the same way emails. Not so bad. The only difference is emails, we fire them off so fast, and texts, we fire them off so fast, we don't give a lot of integrated thought to it, and that's, that's the challenge. You want to integrate your thoughts. You know, when we used to write a letter, we used to write the letter, think about it, fold it up, put it away before we mailed it, because we realized that it might take a week to go where it needed to go, and what might happen in that week could change what you wrote in the letter originally. So again, it's just stepping back and taking a moment. So if, if something has occurred, which it does did the other day, I was supposed to do something with somebody, the snow came, I originally thought my day had cleared on Wednesday, it didn't because I had forgotten one last client and I had to change everything. I apologize for the inconvenience. I didn't communicate completely everything. There was one little last call I had forgotten to make mention to. In the same sense, that person had forgotten to tell me, or much retrograde or neglected to tell me that they were going to push several things through quickly so they could get their day done so we could meet. That was never communicated. In that, I have an apology. There was a failure. Something was not up to our expectations, and I didn't do it intentionally, and for that, I offered my apology. I do feel sorrow when someone tells me something that is challenging emotionally and mentally in their lives. 
sorry isn't a sorry form of anything. Sorry is that I am empathetically connected to what you're experiencing. It's a feeling. Even when you say it, I am sorry. I think that's why when we have repetitive actions that harm another or harm us and the other person says I'm sorry over and over again, we see it as disingenuous because we really feel that if you were feeling the pain I'm feeling right now, then you would not keep doing what you're doing. If they apologize over and over again, I think we would stop and look and say, gee, they're apologizing for that same indiscretion, that same, for lack of a better word, failure, that same miscommunication or that same thing over and over again, and they keep doing it. Maybe now I have a little bit more mental clarity and emotional stability to say, I might not want to have that action happen around me anymore. I'm going to make a beneficial strategy myself to move from it or to create an energy so it doesn't happen anymore. That's Mercury retrograde. Being able to step back and slow down long enough to dot your I, cross your T. I know that Mercury retrograde pops up and makes detours everywhere. Computers slow down. It's a given. I feel bad for the Pony Express 100 years ago. I can't even imagine what that mail carrier must have went through during Mercury retrograde. Better yet, let's go back to old Greece and that poor runner who ran messages. Probably met with every single <laughs> trial and tribulation to get that communication where it needed to go. Give yourself an extra few minutes. If you know you have to be at work at 8 a.m. and it takes you 20 minutes door to door, you can thank that it's going to take you 40 in the next six weeks. Leave a little bit earlier. You know you're going to get stuck in a detour. You know, something pops up and you're like, where did that come from? I usually travel this way every day. It wasn't here two seconds ago. I'm turning around and you're turning and it's there now. Just inviting you to see something different. It's a challenge, it's an opportunity. And since Jupiter is asking us to slow down even more, to look at things that are toxic, that are not beneficial in the energies they're in right now in our lives, whether it's food, smoking, relationships, job, not asking you to jump ship, just asking you to take a moment to look at the challenge and let the challenge offer you an alternative reality. And it can when you stop. I always download really cool books to listen to in the car during Mercury retrograde. And if there's a detour, I'm always mindful to all the things I see around me. At detours, during detours, I'm going to tell you I found restaurants that I wanted to eat at and couldn't find, found clothing stores, addresses. It's a great experience if you treat it like that, an experience. 
Don't take it personally. The four agreements speaks about that. Being neglected to speak about is not taking it personally, is that not absorbing that energy. And taking a moment in those two words, if someone's saying, I'm sorry for something, maybe understanding that they don't have the emotional IQ or vocabulary to express what they are thinking and experiencing. And you take a moment to feel your energy first. Remember, my dear friends, we cannot change anyone else. We can only change ourselves. And the beauty of this life is that Creator changes everything with every inhale and every exhale. So I want to thank you all for hanging out with me on this first podcast. I hope that you enjoyed it as much as I did making it. The song coming in was Hell on Heels by Pistolani. It always reminds me of when I channel the energy of the goddess Venus. It's like Hell on Heels. Guys, I am really sorry that you don't have the same opportunity to express feeling the amazing creators you are by walking around and saying you're a god. I personally think you should. I kind of like it. If a guy guy came up and said, I'm a god, I'd be okay. Want to come up and tell me you're Adonis? Hey, whatever floats your boat. No judgment here. Have a fabulous rest of your day. I hope that the Mercury retrograde doesn't kick too much ass. And just take a moment and breathe. And inhale and exhale. And ponder on those words. Sorry and apology. How you use them, when you use them, and when you're getting ready to use them. If you truly are integrated and have the integrity and the intention to match the action of the spoken word. Namaste. Till next time.